Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we ask Nintendo for permission to play Street Fighter 2. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I always am, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including even more Pokemon news. And then on Thursday, we are going to be talking about spooky levels with our special guest, Emily Rose Jacobson. But in the meantime, Mark, how are you? I'm doing so good. And man, we are really getting a lot of Pokemon news. It's, it's like it doesn't stop. I mean, I guess there, look, there are a lot of these things, right? Uh, Pokemon? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> About a thousand last I checked. Yeah. And uh, every day we learn a little bit more. And About ourselves. Yes. Uh, and, you know, every day we, we see a new part <laughs> of ourselves. And, uh, you know, one, one day we will, we will un- understand the whole thing. Not ourselves, but, you know. Pokemon. Pokemon. Sword and Shield. Presumably. Do you think mm. that Nintendo or the po- Game Freak, the Pokemon company, yeah. some amalgamation of the three, do you think that they choose which game, which version of the game they think is going to be more popular Okay, and name and have it be first in the names? Or mm. do you think that by virtue of being first, it, it is the most more popular? popular. Um, that is very interesting. I've never seen any like real breakdown of like because there must be right. There must be one version of the game of each every generation that ends up being like the more popular one. I think it's always whichever one is named first. It, but and is by that popular true? by sales wise? Yeah, I yeah. I think I I would be willing to bet money, not a significant amount of money. We don't have that, <laughs> but some money uh-huh. that that is true. The majority of the time. The vast majority of the time. Well, which do you think is more popular? Sonic Forces or the Sonic Forces borrowing program? I think the answer undoubtedly Uh is the borrowing program. Because the borrowing program is a huge success. If you would like to be a part of it, all you have to do is email us at NintendoCartridgeSociety at gmail.com and give us a physical mailing address where I can send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. You can play it for as long as you like. You can not play it for as long as you like, and then you send it back. It costs you nothing. You get Sonic Forces in your possession for as long as you want. And that's it. That's the entirety of the the, uh, the entirety of the program. While you're sending us an email, yes. you can send us your Super Mario Maker 2 levels. Yes. We love to play your Super Mario Maker 2 levels. Like Casey, who mm-hmm. sent us a level to play this week, which I checked out. And you can check out by inputting the level code that we'll include in the show notes. Yep. Uh, Mark, I did not have an opportunity to play this level. Can you tell me what it's about? Yeah. So um, it's... A little bit puzzly. Ooh. So there's lots of different doors, and uh, you d- do you have to decide which is the best door. You, ki- I mean, you kind of have to decide. You kind of have to decide which is the best door because mm. uh, and I guess like in a Mario Maker level, 
there is only one ending that you can have, right? There's not like yeah. multiple paths mm-hmm. you can go, but it's a level that feels like there are multiple paths and that I just happened to stumble on on exit. It actually oh. was the rare level that made me want to go back and like explore the areas that I didn't get to, but I know are accessible on the map, um, even though they don't necessarily lead me to the exit. Yeah. Because the way that it's set up is like, it feels very big and there's lots of different areas that you can go to. But you're just trying to get keys. You're trying to like get past the final boss. But there's also like two, at least two other bosses that you encounter if you're going the wrong direction. You have to either like, you either die fighting them yeah. or you like get past them. Live long grab enough a to key. become a villain. <laughs> exactly. Uh, turn into them. Become the host of a Mario Maker 2 level. It's like Tron, you're in the game. Wow, wow. That's that's intense. <laughs> no, but like uh, you encounter one of those bosses, you either die fighting them or you like get past them and there's a key that pops up. I don't know. I just, I found it, was, I thought it was like really clever. Sometimes in the puzzly levels, um, when they're not done well, it's just like, all right, there's a kajillion pipes and I don't know which one is yeah, going to like sure. get me to where I'm going. So it's basically just like going through pipes and, uh, repeating that endlessly and those are never really fun but this one I really felt like a sense of exploration and that oh I tried that it didn't work so let me try going this other direction and oh there's a door over there that I didn't notice how am I going to get to it like I really like this level a lot that's really cool yeah I think one of the things that uh, is frequently lost in Super Mario Maker levels is that sort of like sense of exploration like Mario Maker is so good at providing you with like obstacle courses or like, you know, just like individual, like discrete little puzzles to solve. But the idea that you're actually exploring a space is something that gets kind of like, is such a big part of what Mario is to me that doesn't really carry over to Mario Maker. So it's cool to hear that this one kind of does that. Yeah. So I liked it a lot. Um, If you would like me to like one of your levels a lot, Uh you should send us your Mario Maker 2 level. Right, and you can either email them to us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at Nincart Society, and we will check them out there. Here's another thing that you can do with either of those two ways of contacting us. We need to determine what the single greatest piece of Nintendo music is. And we're gonna we're gonna do this whole like bracket style and pit two pieces of music against each other, but uh, we cannot nominate any songs for this list. That's your job. You need to tell us. Uh, so email us or tweet at us and let us know what pieces of music we should include on there. And here's the thing. We started talking about this a long time ago, mm-hmm. but the deadline to do it is November 22nd, which at this point is precious few days away. It's so, what is it? Three weeks away? Three weeks and change? That's so soon. Thank you to everyone who has contributed so far. Thank you to Tony and to uh, at Borland Corp uh, for uh, contributing most recently. But to everyone who has uh, done this so far, thank you. We could not do this without your contributions. In fact, we would refuse. (laughs) It would be just a big empty bracket. And we'd go, I don't know, athletic theme, I guess. So thank you everyone for contributing. Uh, and remember, send in as as many as many as you want. Tell us why they're great, and uh, you know we will talk about it all and come to a final ruling. And it's going to be a good episode. I'm very excited about it. Okay, Mark, are you ready to get into, get into what we've been playing this yeah, week? Yeah, let's do it. Man, I am dying to talk about Fire Emblem Three Houses in spoiler terms i won't i will only say that there are so many good twists and turns 
in the story that I'm encountering so far. And it really makes me want to either play the other houses or just spoil myself and like learn how the other houses play out. Because especially in the second half, it seems like the story is going to be pretty specific yeah, to which I, house you chose. I think you and I are experiencing like very different stories. Uh, in because uh, I'm playing through as the Golden Deer, uh, Mark is playing through as the Blue Lions. Lions. Uh, so yeah, what what we are experiencing, I'm at this point in the game is has got to be wildly different. I mean, last this, week I was experiencing like heavy loss. This yeah. week there's like joy in my heart. Yeah, I oh man, I love this game so much. Well, have you had uh, any of the experiences yet where you are on the battlefield with uh, students that you used to go to school with? Yes, and you're and fighting you had to against kill them? them. Yeah. Yeah, it's brutal stuff, man. Uh, let me ask you this. The uh, the War of the uh, Eagle and the Lion, have you revisited that? Yes, I just did. Amazing, right? Yes. The game. The game is so, it's got so many, uh, like, it's it, it the it's it's all self-contained, right? So it's weird to say that it has like foresight, um, but it is it is amazing that it will plant the seeds for something in like hour three that it then like pays off in like hour thirty or forty. And the second half of the game, the momentum really yeah. like picks up. Like you really feel the pace increase. Um, and I loved the first part of the game, and so I was um kind of dreading some of those elements going away, but. What the game kind of like turns into, I'm also really enjoying is just a different sort of it's just a different thing. Yeah. I mean it, it in in some ways it's kinda like you ate your vegetables in the first half of like getting to know the characters and like forming the relationships. But, right. Which I love the vegetable part. I did too, of this I did game, too. But no, it really does pay off in surprising ways. And like characters I like didn't really think I cared about. I uh, I feel like I have like such like a I feel like I have such a deep connection for my dudes now. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally, I one hundred percent get that. Yeah. Um. Uh. So I this I guess you and I are a little bit broken records here because I uh, am also continuing to play Dragon Quest Eleven S. Um. And uh, similar to your observation of like you love all your characters now. Um. I had been sticking with sort of the the first four characters that you get in Dragon Quest Eleven. Um. And you can swap the characters out like basically at any time, just not in the middle of a fight. Um. And uh, I am. I am coming around to using the three other characters uh, and am just like, there are so many systems in this game and like so many different ways that you can tweak how your characters play. And like, I feel like I've gotten to the point where I understand all of it now and I can make more meaningful choices about how I'm growing them and how I'm developing them and like where I'm spending skill points. And like, I've got all of these goals for everyone and I'm like, you know, stupidly proud of my characters. I'm like, yeah, great. Oh, I'm so close to being able to double wield with this one. Oh, oh man, look how much damage she's dealing. And you're like, it's uh, I'm, I, I love it. And I think as far as um, the sort of like traditional JRPG, uh, you know, menu based combat, um, like this is going up there for me as like one of the finest forms of it. Like I'm just really, really loving that game. I also continue to play Mario Kart Tour. Of course. Which I am addicted to. Like, I have been logging in every day, even if I don't play a course, because I want to get, like, five little gems, or I want to get, like, one of those tickets. But for whatever reason, I have really taken to the gameplay. I just think that it's a lot of fun to quickly be able to um, play a, a Mario Kart course. I think they've smartly adapted it for mobile, in that they're just two laps 
and it goes by really quickly. You know, each race is maybe like three minutes. Um, I still think the monetization is insane and out of control. And if I really was trying to get through every tour or like every um, course available, yeah. then I don't know how you would do that without paying. But I have never done so. I've really just played, you know, like usually two or three of the um, cups yeah. uh, available in like a certain tour. And that's it right now. They're doing like a spooky one, Ooh. you know. Uh, and it's interesting. I didn't really play the 3DS game. And so it's been kind of fun to be introduced to some of those courses. I don't know. It's just like uh, like less good Mario Kart. And yeah. it's still and pretty Mario fun. Mario Kart's excellent. Yeah. So it is interesting that like um, the way the game is monetized kind of gives you an excuse to not be obsessive about it. We're just like, well, I'll just play what I can. And when it tells me I need to give it money, I'll just be like, nah, no, nah, I'll just well, stop. It's interesting because I've I've never hit the point where like I needed to give it money. Yeah. Um, because I just haven't put that much time in it. Like to what you're saying. Well, and like you're not trying to get like uh, other carts and racers and stuff, right, right? Right. Um but yeah, really enjoying that. Also this past weekend was the Tetris ninety nine, Luigi's Mansion three, Tetris Maximus. Where you, if you got 100 points in Tetris 99, you could yes. get the Luigi's Mansion 3 theme. Tell me you did this. I did do it. I've got to tell you, though, this is the theme I've been least excited for. Oh, I really like this theme. Because I, I felt like it's, it was a weird fit for Tetris 99, which is such a, you know, like, generally high energy kind of like amped yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. That the Luigi's Mansion theme is kind of... It's, you know, it's slower. and The music's a weird fit. The, <laughs> the music, music is, is a fit. weird fit. So I ended up just, like, muting it and playing other music. Yeah. Um, so but I'm glad I have it. Yeah, like, of course. I'm glad I collected it, but definitely not my favorite theme. Um, one thing that uh, is weird and unsettling about it to me, and maybe I will find that I don't like this about Luigi's Mansion when it comes out, the texture on Luigi's hat seems weird. And I don't know what it's made out of. <laughs> like, it seems like it's his hat is possibly made out of like a Dickensian street urchin's urchin's pants. <laughs> like the texture on them is so strange, and I can't really wrap my head around. Like, it. what if Luigi got his hat from a community theater version <laughs> of Oliver? He was in Oliver. He was really proud right? of it. Right. Uh, he- and he was like, "Can we put an L on it?" <laughs> He had his mom sew it on after the costume, after the show was over, so uh-huh. he can continue to wear it. Oh, boy. All right. Well, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. It's another week. A lot coming out. Yeah. Um, today, October 29th, the Resident Evil Triple Pack is released. This is the physical version where you get Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 5, and Resident Evil 6. It's a lot of Resident Together, Evil. I think only 4 is on the cart, and 5 and 6 you have to download from the eShop, if I'm remembering correctly. And then also on the eShop, Resident Evil 5 and Resident Evil 6 are released. Uh, and Mark, you and I have talked about uh, possibly uh, picking these up and playing through them together because they are co-op games. Yeah, and I, I've played 5, but I played it on my lonesome. Yeah. Um, which was, I enjoyed it, but I think would be a much more fun playing together. And I've never played six. 
Yeah, I've I've never touched six. Which is... I I played through a, a fair amount of five mm-hmm. um, with my buddy Pete, who we've talked about on the show before, um, but never finished it. Uh, so that would be fun to do. And then yeah, it's insane to me that six is out there and I've just never played it. I mean seven too. Well, yeah. <laughs> and it, that game is supposed to be good. <laughs> I love that we're like yeah, six is a, a game that's bad, but we've not played it for whatever reason. And maybe it's because I haven't played seven, and so I don't know the connective tissue. Sure. Seven feels like a completely different beast mm-hmm. than six does, uh, which feels definitely like a continuation of the Resident Evil story that I know and familiar with, with characters I love. Yeah. Um. So it does. It, it's a difference without a distinction. Um, but Mark, I am there for <laughs> that difference. Also on today, uh, Super Monkey Ball Banana Blitz HD is released. The Disney classic games Aladdin and the Lion King comes out. Vampire um, is released. Roar Groove is available for retail. Harvest Moon Mad Dash, which we played a little bit at E3. Right, which is not to be confused with a a regular Harvest Moon game. It's like a mini game collection, like a Mario Party style game. So a lot going on. And then on Thursday, October 31st, of course, Nintendo is breaking their tradition, releasing a new game on Thursday because it is Luigi's Mansion 3 releasing on Halloween, and it just feels right. And you can't put that out on November 1st. (laughs) It is not appropriate. Um, Though it seems like it should have come out last week, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, we are, we've, we've, uh, played this game a couple times at, uh, preview events. Um, I'm very excited about it. Me too. Uh, I want to get in and do some co-op. Um, I want to go in and bust some ghosts. I just want to be cute in a hotel that is haunted. That's not too much to ask, Patrick. Thank you. I feel very validated now. Um, all right, Mark, uh, let's get out of the new releases. It's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Today, we are going to... Uh, this, this is an exercise in silliness. We are going to try to name... All of the Marvel movies. In order of release. In release order. Yeah. So uh, just as before when we did not look up what the names of the Planet of the Apes movies were. Much to everyone's chagrin. uh, I don't know. I think everyone loved it. (laughs) Okay. So Marvel movies, this is easy. Starts with Iron Man. Yes. Uh, And then I believe Hulk comes Yeah. The Incredible Hulk is second, which I... Uh, incredibly, I think, was released the same year as Iron Man was. Yes. I think it was all 2008. Uh, now, so this is where I do need to get hung up a second. Is it The Incredible Hulk or is it just Hulk? Hulk was the angry one from one. like okay. 2003. That's Eric yeah. Bana. Okay. Yes. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Uh, followed by... Iron Man 2. Oh, really? There yeah. was... Ne- th- uh, okay. Okay. Iron Man 2 comes really early in, in the run. And so it, it's one of those where it's like shocking beat that... Uh, it is a, a straight up sequel so early. Which I guess makes sense because that's where they laid a lot of the groundwork for the Avengers initiative. And it's where yes. we meet Black, Black Widow, Widow and everything. Yeah. And so it makes sense then that that movie would come before Thor, which right. was next. Right. So Thor is next. We got that. We meet Thor. We meet Loki. Uh, Captain America. Oh, we also meet Hawkeye in there. 
Oh, that's right. He's like guarding the hammer or something. <laughs> yeah, there's this really weird scene where he's like up on a gurney, right, or something. And yeah. then like Maria Hill or someone is like, stand down. And he's like, All right, I got a shot. I don't know what was that impression. Was that my Jeremy Renner? Not bad. I got a shot. <laughs> Not bad. I got a clear shot at him. And then it is uh, Captain America: The First Avenger. Uh huh. Um, and then the Avengers. That is crazy. Yeah. It, it is, and it, at this point, that was the entirety of Phase One. That was the entirety of That's Phase nuts. One. Yeah, it's like six movies. Um, and I mean, let's just quickly recall what it was like as we were leading into Avengers, and we're like, surely this is going to be a dumpster fire uh, that no one is going to be interested in. No one will be able to hold the ideas of Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man in their heads at well, the same time, especially because Thor, like, other than. Iron Man and Iron Man Two, none like all the movies. The other movies did respectably, mm-hmm. respectably, res- respectably. Yes, yes. Um, but they did not set the world on fire. No, so and certainly I, not in the way that Iron Man did, or that the Avengers did. So there has yes. to have been tons of people who went into the Avengers without having seen, like the the other movies. Yeah, totally. Well, and yeah, uh, yeah, yes, correct. I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with. A lot of the Avengers' success has to do with Joss Whedon, and that like he just got to make a Joss Whedon movie, yeah, for sure, with Avengers characters in it, and they're all likable, yeah, and, and that's where we're introduced to, I guess, really to Hawkeye, yeah, uh, Hawkeye and and Black Widow. That's where they really get like a, a a chance to shine. What is the next movie after Avengers? I think that it's Thor: Dark World. I think it's Iron Man Three. You're right; it is Iron because Man because so much of it has to do with uh, Tony the Stark's aftermath. Life. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. It right. is Iron Man his, Three. His like PTSD, and then I think it's uh, uh, Thor: The Dark World, uh, and then uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Yeah, that's so weird that it was. So, those those phases were basically just like those three characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really weird, and I also like I remember. Being excited by Avengers and then like seeing Iron Man three and being like, oh, that's fine, and then seeing Thor uh, with you at a yeah, that's at, right at, at like midnight at the dome, uh, yeah, it's in three D, oh, um, and I fell asleep during it, uh, and you know because that's what happens, uh, and sort sort of being like, okay, this is you know whatever the, this these movies are uh, disposable and you know maybe they are, um, but it's when we saw uh, Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier Winter Soldier was so good. Blew me away. And yeah, I just, I, I love that thing. Um, but what happens next? What happens after Winter Soldier? Because Guardians has to show up in here somewhere. Right. Guardians. And I think Guardians is before um, Age of Ultron. Uh-huh. So I think it's Guardians next. And then Age of Ultron? Then Age of Ultron and then Ant-Man. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Because Ant-Man was right after Age of Ultron. And again, like it's, uh you know. Guardians is like another high point, mm-hmm. uh, and then like Age of Ultron, kind of there's like a little bit it's of a rough. decline, and then Ant Man is fine, like no shade at Ant Man, but right. it's not like a super hype movie. Um, but this is where, uh, or is Doctor Strange in here somewhere? No, Doctor Strange was later. Ooh, we're oh, gonna have to, have to no. do it. We're gonna have to do a part oh, two. God. We're gonna have to <laughs> do a part two. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> Brutal. Uh, okay, so we were accompanied today by the uh, ensemble at the Musical Instrument Museum in Phoenix. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. I feel so b- bad for somebody who knows the answer 
who like just knows the order to hear us like struggle through that must be infuriating. Yeah, we did kind of go through it like we were on uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and Slub Dog <laughs> Millionaire. I know this one because of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So we've talked on this show before about how Game Freak developed Pokemon games have effectively been annualized at this point. Yeah. You just expect a new Pokemon game every year, even if it feels like they shouldn't be ready for one. Right? Like, let's like the go changing the of the seasons. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but in an interview with VG247, Pokemon producer Jinichi Masuda revealed that it's not like an intentional timeline necessarily. He says, quote, each time we go into making a new game and start a new project, we look at what exactly we want to create. And then from where we decide, from there we decide the most appropriate timing to release, it depending on various factors. What's important to Game Freak is to have as many people to come in, in contact and play Pokemon as possible. Sure. So I have to believe be, Yeah, this. I was going to say, do you believe that? I mean, I think from like a, like, thinking about Game Freak as a company, right? Like they... Uh, develop one of the biggest video game franchises in the world. Yeah. But as far as like large behemoth um, titans of industry, they're not really. They, you know, their revenue is in the hundreds of millions of dollars a year, which, you know, that's nothing to sneeze at, but comparatively is not enormous. They basically have Pokemon and a few other side projects that they dabble with. Yeah. Um, that they experiment with. But I kind of think from a game freak like perspective they have to put out a pokemon game a year i think they would have to really plan to not yeah this uh this note about um that it is important to them to get as many people to come into contact and and play pokemon as possible means that like where where the rest of the pokemon company is you know interested in putting out like toys and anime and stuff that their their goal is like get as many people to play which means keep making the games. And also, like, being really strategic about... Like, we see a similar thing with uh, the Dragon Quest series where Square Enix wants to put it on the console that has the biggest user base. Yeah. And in, you know, the case of Eleven, because the, uh, the PS4, you know, was doing fine but wasn't that big and in Japan, and the... 3DS was big, but not as big as the DS. They, like, split the difference, and they put it on both. Right. Um, yeah, you know, well, like, and then, Game Freak has always waited. Yeah. You, you know, they put them on the handhelds for so long that now they've their hands have kind of been forced, and they're putting it on consoles. Yeah. Well, and uh, just to, uh, like, kind of wrap up the what, what you were talking about with uh, Square Enix, um, like, the Dragon Quest games that are on Nintendo platforms right now are published by Nintendo. So, like, they need that little extra push, or at least... Uh, in the West. In the yeah. West, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or or uh, everywhere for uh, Eleven, right? No, no, no. It's 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 published it, okay. by Square Enix in Japan. Okay. Yeah. Um, but in 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 the states, uh, both uh, Dragon Quest Eleven and uh, Builders One and Two are all published by Nintendo, um, and not by Square. So yeah, uh, it's um there there is a certain like conservatism about some of these uh like Japanese publishing practices, and I think that uh, Game Freak and the Pokemon Company are you know no exception to that. In the same interview, Masuda also. Uh, was asked about the lack of national Pokedex. Of course he was. Why would he not be? And, uh, you know, the interviewer wanted to know about the company's internal reaction to the fan response. And he explained that Game Freak's goal is to deliver, quote, the most interesting game possible and make a more enjoyable, richer experience for the fans and giving people a greater attachment to the Pokemon that are in the game. Which, look, 
this is exactly the answer that I want to hear, right? Of like, we built a game around the Pokemon that are in this game. And like, if there were more, I guess that just means that there would be more. It doesn't mean that that is like, there's a point where uh, it becomes subtraction by addition um, that you are putting more Pokemon in that are taking away from the vision of the game. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, I do get the perspective that, hey, Pokemon as a series has always been about, like, this is your crew, yeah. and you've been able to take them through so many games. And, uh, and so when they're like, oh, we want you to focus on these Pokemon, like the Pokemon that were built for this game, I 100% get that, and I think that makes a ton of sense. And for me, as somebody who doesn't have a ton of leg- legacy Pokemon, yeah. like, I'm all for that. Like, I'm fine having each Pokemon game be a new experience, and I'm going to gather different Pokedex every time. But for somebody who has been, like really invested themselves in the Pokemon ecosystem, I like understand the perspective that it feels like, hey, but I've been this huge fan for so long. You told me this is what I should be doing. And now like I'm not able to carry any of that work forward. Like I get why that would not, be but frustrating. Again, but again, just not necessarily. Or like, at least not there, yeah, there's a pretty, for sure. Like if there's a Pikachu that you've been carrying forward forever, like guess what? Pikachu's gonna be in the game. Right. You know? But also not just that. I mean, I don't think you can bring Pokemon into um like I don't think you can bring your Pokemon into Sword and Shield right now. Uh, oh, because it's not compatible with uh, like home, home or anything. Yet. Like yeah. I don't know how you would transfer well, home, that. Well, home doesn't really exist yet, right? right. Yeah, but it, but I, but I, that that is how. Yeah, you and also I guess if you're like really attached to that keyring Pokemon and he doesn't show up in, you yeah, know, like if your favorites don't make it, then that's kind of sucks a little bit. All that being said, I completely understand why uh, it is how it is. Um, he also went on to mention Pokemon Home again saying that that will be a place to, quote, enjoy a different way of pl- playing with your Pokemon from previous games. Yeah, so I wanted to bring this up just because uh, I don't think we really know a whole lot about what Pokemon Home is going to be, um, other than, like, like I think it's just kind of just been speculated on that, like, you would go and, like, maybe it's a place where you can, like, pet your Pokemon right, or, like, or that take it, pictures like, with them or something. basically replaces Pokemon Bank, but I do think that it's telling that it's not called Pokemon Bank. It's, like, a new thing. Yes. And and the fact that uh, uh, Masuda says that it's a different way to uh, of, of playing with your Pokemon, I think that there may be more... I mean, it, it could be that Pokemon Home is the place where, like, you could battle. Uh, you know, I mean, like, that, may, that might be part of it. Um, it we just don't really know at at this point, but I, I I think like the possibilities are endless, and uh, Pokemon Home seems like the kind of thing that could be updated. Um, you know, like Pokemon Go didn't have like peer to peer battling forever, and now it does. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's just um, I don't know. Uh, Pokemon Home is an exciting thing that I think we need to pay a little bit more attention to as we get closer to it coming out, whenever that is. Uh, last week, IGN Japan hosted a live stream event at a bar with developers Suda51 from No More Heroes fame and Swery from Deadly Premonition fame. The two developers were saying that they've wanted to work together for a while, but evidently, uh, every time they get together to discuss ideas, they get too drunk to remember uh, what they had come up with. So this is their solution <laughs> is, well, let's just hang out and drink still, <laughs> but uh, have IGN live stream it. So we have a record. So there's a record, yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, so clearly nothing in the story sounds like it's any official announcement or anything. Yeah, I mean, 
this thing to me mostly sounds like these two developers wanted to host a live stream, get drunk, and just like talk, uh, just wax about video games, right? Under the guise of like, oh yeah, we're working on something together. It's like, no, they're just getting together and drinking, right? That's what it seems like. They're positing that they're working on a horror game of (laughs) some type, not like true horror. Uh, Swery says a lingering sense of creepiness. A game tentatively called Hotel Barcelona with different rooms in the hotel representing different characters, perspectives, or different dimensions. They're making this up as they go along, so who knows? Um, They said this part is really funny to me. Yeah, this is. They said that Devolver Digital gave them a budget of $1 million, but Devolver was uh, quick to tweet that that it was the first that they'd heard of it. So there you go. Developer or uh, Devolver Digital either is or is not giving these two guys a million dollars to make a game that may or may not be called Hotel Barcelona, which may or may not take place in Barcelona in a hotel where the different rooms are different perspectives or different dimensions. Now, oh, right. <laughs> uh, hotel or excuse me, D- Devolver Digital is uh, they do a lot of like cheeky marketing, like, yes. a lot of like very tongue in cheek things. I think they're the company that every year at E3. They have their like pre-recorded live stream that's like ultra violent and just like yes. really crazy. Um, so it would not surprise me if this, you know, spontaneous live stream was all just kind of a planned thing that Devolver Digital had set up, and they are funding this game. You know, uh, it's just a very smart way to get people talking. Yeah, We're talking about it. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, or if Devolver uh, like saw it happening and was like, uh, yeah, we got a million. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got a million dollars. <laughs> we could do that. Uh, at EGX over the weekend, Capcom's Yoshinori Ono was asked some questions on a Street Fighter panel that are relevant to our interests here on NCS. Uh, Mark, are you familiar with the personality of Ono-san? Not really. He is a delight. <laughs> um, he is like uh, the the face of Street Fighter uh, on, on the Capcom side, uh, and he always travels with a little... Um, Blanca toy, like a little plastic Blanca action figure, and takes pictures with it everywhere. Uh, and he's just like a, a cheery, energetic, like um, you know how like some uh, some of like the Japanese developers have this like very like serious, uh, like deathly serious facade. Um, and Yoshinori Ono is like the exact opposite of that. He is giggly. He is ebullient. Uh, he is a fun time boy you can kind of tell from some of like the quotes that he was giving yeah um at in this interview so he talks about blanca ono's favorite street fighter character like you brought up uh he was blanca was evidently never a subject of conversation when discussing what street fighter content could be in smash brothers hilarious the uh he says quote the word blanca never came up while we discussed who to put in smash so either sakurai has never heard of blanca or he hates him. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, wh- which do you think it is? <laughs> I'm guessing he hates him. Because <laughs> I think he's heard of him before. I mean, everyone who knows <laughs> knows who Blanca is. Uh, on the subject of whether Street Fighter 4 or 5 will come to Switch, Ono said that that would require more involvement from Nintendo. Quote, they're the ones you really need to talk to, not me. Even with our previous Nintendo title, Ultra Street Fighter 2, Nintendo came to us and said, we want to do something with Street Fighter 2 because it's been 25 years since it came out on previous nintendo consoles um which is a good like yeah no talk talk to those guys um and that that makes you know again we are just talking about uh um square enix having games published by nintendo uh on their platform uh what do you think that would be like i, I don't know exactly how well um ultra street fighter sold but like 
do you feel like there is a Street Fighter, like a lack of Street Fighter on the system, or I think there's a lack of modern Street Fighter, yeah, for sure, right? You have lots of if you want retro, especially arcade versions of Street Fighter, you have a ton of options. Yeah, I, the part I think is interesting is that um, you know if what he's saying is true and not to be taken tongue in cheek, I think it's interesting that Nintendo is the one who came to Capcom. Yeah, because when that when Ultra Street Fighter Two came out at Switch launch or really close to Switch, yeah, launch, really close, right? Like we were all dunking on it because it was forty bucks for it's too know, much for what it like is, Street yeah. Fighter Two and everything and. Obviously, a lot of that is on Capcom, but it's interesting to from the perspective that Nintendo came to them and were like, "Hey, we want to put, we would love you to put Street Fighter Two on the system." So they were like, "Okay," and then um, I guess we can do this weird first person oh, Hadouken like shooter, shooter thing. I mean, the thing that's so frustrating about that is that is in the Street Fighter Four <laughs> engine, like right. it's using the graphics of Street Fighter Four. So like, you know, it can work on there. Um, I, I wonder if some of it too just comes down to the uh, like online infrastructure and like wanting to know that it is going to be functioning the way an online fighting game needs to work. Because um, like I know that's a problem with Smash, but like people play uh, Mortal Kombat, um, so I, I I don't know. It, it seems like um, maybe it's just like a weird fit and maybe an unnecessary. I think there's also just kind of like a ceiling on. Uh one like how much how many resources capcom puts into these like modern street fighter yeah, fighting totally. games mm-hmm. um because there seems to just be street fighter 4 was a real i feel like resurgence for yeah. street fighter where everybody was talking about it again but i feel like 5 has a dedicated community but obviously not like never had the same sort of buzz around it yeah well and 5 um you know is uh is uh console exclusive to playstation so like that was obviously they have a a partnership there um maybe that's just one of the things about street fighter is that it is a niche enough product that you need to have like an active partner in it to make it financially viable um so yeah i guess it it would make sense that uh um you can get street fighter on your platform you just kind of gotta go be like a partner with them the outer worlds has been released on all other platforms last week and over the weekend we got a tiny bit more information about when we can expect the switch version of the game so small yeah um per a press release from private divisions the virtuos develop port will be coming sometime in 2020 so don't expect it now in the last couple days of october no time in november and not in december it's interesting that um because the Outer Worlds port was was in, for Switch was announced kind of late and was a surprise. It was kind of a surprise to the Obsidian people too, like the developers. They were saying, um, as they were doing press for the game, they were asked about the Switch version, and they were saying that Virtuos brought it to them as like a proof of concept. Like they didn't Whoa. like they didn't think it was possible to run the game on the Switch. Like they didn't have the Switch in mind. So it makes sense now. It all kind of makes sense that like oh that it's coming later than everything else because it seems like it was never in their original plans they didn't expect to ha- it was going to be able to happen in virtuals was just kind of like here's something we can do if you're interested yeah i mean it, it is interesting because like right now we we are very much in the in the outer world moment um where people are talking about it and it is like you know the hotness of 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 right now um and i wonder if when we get to you know february or whatever of next year maybe later um that it'll still be something that people want to dig into i think it definitely you know like i think doom eternal yeah its sales will be hurt by coming later 
than if it launched day and date. But I do think there are people who portability is, you know, yeah, a, king. yeah like it's a killer feature. And so if you can make a, a successful port that runs well enough in portable mode, like people will either double dip or they'll wait. It may yeah. not be as large of an audience if it launched day one, but I do think that there's, because, you know, we've seen a, a lot of these later ports and I've never heard anything about them being outright bombs, right? Yeah. Or like unsuccessful. So, um, although we did talk about Overwatch the other day. Right. That's right. Right. That Overwatch may have completely underperformed. That is very possible. It also launched at like the worst possible time for Blizzard. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, man. It, BlizzCon is this weekend, right? <laughs> I think so. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, and finally, the newest in-game event for Dragalia Lost, uh, Nintendo's mobile RPG, which uh, when we played it, we, re- we thought was really super fun and cute. Mm-hmm. We had um, a good time with it. They're doing a Mega Man-themed event. Mega Man! Mega Man is coming to Dragalia Lost. And here's the thing. It doesn't require a summoning circle to uh, get Mega Man. Yeah. Anyone who logs in and participates in the event starting October 31st will have access to the new adventure, Mega Man, and some Mega Man items, so that's, which is awesome. That's super cool. It's, uh, and I like that um, You know, we uh, read a story a couple of weeks ago, maybe even months ago at this point, um, about uh, Dragalia Lost, um, about them like scaling back some of the... Uh, difficulty in getting the like rarer items and rarer characters and stuff and now here's an example where they're just like no if you play the thing you get Mega Man um, which hey I appreciate but also isn't it crazy to have Mega Man it in does seem crazy to have Mega Man in it's this game. such a like swords and sorcery kind of game and then like here's this is a little robot dude with a gun on his arm alright Mark let's get out of the news Okay, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. And if you like this episode, you can share it on Facebook or on Twitter. We appreciate when you do that kind of stuff. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apeitbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. Hey, Rachel, Oscar. Yeah, Claire? Claire? Do you love Disney movies? Uh Uh-huh. Have you seen them all? Not Not all of them. What do you guys think if we watch them all in chronological order and then talk about them? Ooh. Oh, and what if we could talk about it with some of our favorite friends? (gasps) I love that. Yeah, and what if we do it inside the Disney Vault? You know, that's the name of our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault on Campfire Media. Yeah, check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to yours. That's Inside the Disney Vault. Let's go. Campfire.